Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, persisters and brothers. This week, I am very honored to have a special guest, Toby, who is going to pronounce his last name, but I'm going to say Passman, but it yes. could be Passman. And Toby is pretty darn impressive because at only 24 years of age, he is a neurophysiology researcher and founder of an applied neuroscience company utilizing neurotech and transcranial stimulation to drastically improve people's mental health and help them reach optimal cognitive performance. Toby has a master's degree of psychology, and he's what impresses me so much is he has a vision for his future and how to help other people, especially in issues of mental health. If there is something different that can help people, I am all about it. So, Toby, thank you so much for being here on Persistence You and welcome. Can you tell me a little bit about how in the world that you got started on this trajectory? And at such a young age, how did you just have the vision for your future and how to help other people? Of course. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. I'm really excited to be on the show today. Um, as far as me getting started in this sort of realm, I I was always kind of, as a kid, I was always a very curious kid. I started reading a lot of pop psychology and neuroscience books in high school. I was always thinking about my own thinking, thinking about my behavior, why other people behave the way they do. So it was always a curiosity I dealt with a lot of social anxiety growing up kind of in high school and throughout college and realized that, you know, as, as I'm also starting to like study the brain and mind and, and learn more about just the biological basis of how the brain works on a chemical and electrical level, you know, and start learning about all the different mechanisms of anxiety and, you know, how it's, it's not who I am. It's simply what's being generated my, by my brain because it, you know, doesn't feel safe in certain situations. So I started playing around with some of these neurotechnologies such as neurofeedback, but the one that, that really, I saw really great improvements from was neurostimulation. And okay. I basically, I basically uh, found that there was a specific area of my brain, uh, the left frontal lobe, which was producing kind of excessive amounts of, of a slower brainwave frequency. In other words, it was, it was kind of, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't functioning at optimal performance. It was a bit, the signals weren't kind of getting sent as, as well as they should in that specific area. And what I, what I found in my research is that that correlated really well um, with verbal fluency and that was one of the things that was a big component of my social anxiety was that I'd always be, you know, trying to find the right word, always, you know, forget what I was going to say, you know, as I was in the midst of a conversation with someone. And I attributed that more to just kind of the anxiety, but then actually seeing that, you know, there was an area of my brain that was kind of underperforming, wasn't getting enough blood flow and oxygen to work correctly. And then through neurostimulation, I was actually able to, to stimulate it and saw directly like 
such dramatic results in the sense that, you know, I, I would start the session oftentimes, you know, I'd be, uh, sometimes I'd be talking on the phone and, you know, at the start of, as I, as I put the electrodes on myself and started up the session, you know, I might be struggling with some word finding and really be paying attention to the conversation, you know, thinking through what I want to say and when I want to say it, you know, just, just not, not really being comfortable with the flow of the conversation. And after, you know, 10, 15 minutes doing the neurostimulation, I found myself, I'd be, you know, playing a game on my phone and speaking to whoever it was on the other end, completely fluently, you know, not even really paying attention to the conversation. It was just the words were completely flowing out of my mouth. And that was something that was very different than what I was used to. And I was like, wow, this is really, this is really powerful. Like I'm directly noticing the results as it's happening. That's exciting. And, and Toby, can you explain what neurostimulation is? Yes. Yes. So basically it involves placing somewhere usually between two to six electrodes at various places along the scalp. And yeah, so it's not invasive. It's, uh, it's not, not any kind of surgical thing happening. It's just, uh, clean off your, your scalp with a little bit of, uh, alcohol and then put these electrodes on and then basically stimulate a specific electrical frequency. So the brain runs both on chemicals along with electricity. So people are probably a lot more familiar with the chemical side of things. The neurotransmitters get a lot of attention, serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. Most people have heard of those. But what's a bit more neglected is the talk about the, the electrical side of things. So the brain communicates, the neurons in the brain communicate with itself, with themselves through electricity and that's measured in what are called brain waves. So these different electrical rhythms that the brain produces. So you can actually stimulate that specific rhythm with the electrodes and then the brain entrains to whatever rhythm that, uh, that you're, you're basically giving it. So it's sort of like, okay, I, I sort of use the analogy. It's sort of like, you know, using, using training wheels to learn to ride a bike. It's like, we're, we're basically teaching the brain how to produce different electrical rhythms, which it then is able to start learning how to produce on its own and able to do it then without, you know, necessarily needing more stimulation. So it's a technology that's, yeah, it's, it's a really cool technology. It, it increases blood flow to the brain as well, increasing oxygenation, uh, which is really important for, you know, every, every cell, but specifically brain cells consume a lot of, of a lot of oxygen and resources. Uh, and it also stimulates a process known as neurogenesis, which is actually the creation of new brain cells and new connections amongst those cells that form. So Toby, does it hurt? I mean, I can imagine listeners thinking this sounds so big. Does it hurt? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. No. So it, some people say it sort of feels like, uh, you know, like sort of itching. Um, other people actually enjoy it, though. They actually say it feels like a scalp massage. So okay. it's it's a mild. What, what's important, I guess, for listeners to know is, you know, when and oftentimes when I'm introducing neurostimulation to people, their first response, you know, is that what they think first is, you know, 1950s, 
you know, electroconvulsive therapy, sure. you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest that they used to do in like psychiatric wards. And they're and they actually, to again. Yep. They still do. And, yep. and it, it, it actually, it shows good efficacy for people who failed all these different antidepressant medications and still haven't gotten better. They, they still use ECT. But the difference with the neurostimulation I use, it's a much lower intensity stimulation. So ECT is going to use upwards of like 700, 800, what are called milliamps, which is just the measure of electricity. Whereas this neurostimulation is somewhere in the range of usually one to two and a half milliamps. So it's okay. a way, it's a drastically lower, uh, lower stimulation frequency, but it researchers have found that it's able to produce the same benefits just without all of those side effects that come when you, when you really slam the brain with electricity. Right. Right. Well, that's exciting. Toby, how did you first learn about this? Are you from a family of academics or is this no. something that you were concerned about and it made a difference in your life? Like, t let me know, let us know how that worked. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, um, you know, everyone, it seems like uh, a lot of people in my family studied psychology. So there was, I guess, always that sort of like, you know, I talked to, you know, my uncle or aunt about psychology, I guess, as a kid. So maybe that, had, you know, factored into, you know, what I'm doing to some degree. But, you know, I think it was it was more so just that following that general curiosity about the way my brain works and knowing that there's some things that aren't working optimally in my life, like in my social life, noticing that the the social anxiety was, you know, significantly taking away from my quality of life. And, you know, so there was sort of the, the knowing that there is, you know, a need to change. And as I started just learning about uh, the brain and started learning that there's actually these technologies that, that can change things, I actually, I started working at, in college, I worked at a, an EEG lab, which is EEGs short for an electroencephalogram, which okay. is basically that uh, it's a, a swim cap looking device that measures the electricity that comes from your brain. So uh, I basically got familiarized with collecting data and artifacting data with that specific device while at my college research lab. And it was, it was fascinating to like see what people's brains were doing in real time. But there was, there was something in me that, you know, kind of questioned like, okay, now that we're like assessing people's electrical activity, like, are there ways that we can go about actually changing and improving that activity? That. Sure. And that, so, so, so trying to find the answer to that question was what led me to my first couple of jobs out of college, working at a, a neuroscience center outside of Seattle. There was like a peak performance facility, working with a lot of business people, athletes, um, even a couple of Hollywood actors. And then I took another job working at a substance abuse and mental health treatment facility um, where, you know, working, working with a lot of people um, coming off drugs and alcohol, along with a lot of comorbid mental health cases and just seeing, you know, in, in both settings, how many people uh, were really significantly benefiting from these different neurotechnologies that actually do indeed alter and improve the electrical activity of the brain which really results in, 
profound changes in lots of different aspects of a person's life. That's fantastic. And for people who have not struggled with social anxiety, just as an example, I remember in a few years ago, uh, talking to my adult nephew who was visiting Alaska, where I lived at the time, from where he lived. And so he's a young adult, super bright, super amazing young man. And I introduced him to my closest friend that I grew up with when she showed up, we were having coffee. And then later, as she left, I asked him something about the meeting. He said, oh, I can't remember anything I said. I was so anxious. It just erases everything I said. Like, I can't remember any of that. And I thought that is profound. I have my own issues with social anxiety and it helps me be a curmudgeon, but sometimes it's out of turn and it can keep you from getting jobs or relationships or whatever. It's so debilitating at times. So to have a way out of this is super exciting. Toby, does insurance or how do people pay for such kinds of therapies? Yes. So it depends in which setting it's being used. So if say at the uh, substance abuse and mental health treatment facility I was working at, it was covered by some insurance plans. Fantastic. Uh, whereas, you know, at the peak performance place, they didn't even bother going through insurance. And my personal company is more so, um, it is entirely peak performance based because I'm not a licensed psychologist. So meaning that I can't actually bill insurance myself unless I was working under a practitioner and I can't claim to treat any specific, uh, you know, psychiatric or neurological conditions. So, you know, instead of we're, we're treating your anxiety, you know, we're reducing your stress instead of we're treating your depression, we're working to improve your mood. You know, it's, gotcha. it's somewhat just semantics, but that's just kind of the realm of, of this technology right now is you know, it kind of depends, you know, where you're using it, who's, you know, using it, that depends whether or not it's going to be covered, say, by insurance. I love it. Okay, thank you. That really helps. And can people, when they reach out to a business such as yours, can they work out a financial plan to get said treatments? And how many treatments does it take to notice improvement? Yeah, yes. I mean, I can't speak for for other companies, but I can say, you know, for for my company, we will be offering like bundles where if you, you know, purchase a certain number of sessions, you'll get, you know, a couple complimentary sessions along with that. Uh, And as far as the number of treatments, so that's what I love about neurostimulation compared to, you know, some of the other neurotechnologies that still work really well, but they can take a bit longer. So with neurofeedback, another actually more common uh, form of, say, neuromodulation compared to neurostimulation, uh, you know, a lot of practitioners will, will say, you know, 20, sometimes 30, 40, even like six, up to 60 sessions, you know, that, that people need to use it to see real profound changes. And that requires a lot of time and money, you know, a lot of resources to be invested in that. Whereas neurostimulation packs more of a punch in a much shorter period of time. Good. So based on looking at like the brain maps, which is like the, the EEG, those assessments were assessing the electrical activity of the brain. That's what we always start with. And then we'll do a round of neurostimulation, kind of working on those specific frequencies and areas of the brain that weren't uh, performing optimally kind of based on the brain map will do anywhere between usually five to 10 neurostimulation sessions. 
and then do a follow-up recording and usually see really significant changes that the brain's made in, you know, in already that, that short period of time. So it oftentimes people will report even that, that same night, the first time that they ever try it, you know, they'll, they'll say they, they got the best night of sleep that they've gotten in a while or their anxieties really reduced. Those are a couple of the most common things I hear from people just, you know, right away. That's exciting. That's really exciting. And I am all about trying, I mean, within reason, of course, what, what's healthy, but, but what can work outside of trying to medicate everything or trying to wait super long for the anti-anxiety piece to kick in, opening our minds to something different. So, I mean, that's really an exciting result. And so what has it done for your life? You know, how does it impact you now? when you have anxiety, let's say you do have social anxiety once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I still use various forms of, of technology, I guess, to, to stimulate my brain and, and yeah, definitely uh, it's an ongoing process. The way I, I see it is, you know, sort of akin to how people, you know, continue following a workout regimen, you know, and continue sure. going to the gym. You can do the same thing with, with sort of these neuromodulation technologies, you know, if, if you have access and, and thankfully, um, since I work with them that I do and, you know, I, yeah, looking back before I started using some of these technologies, I, I very much was, you know, pretty debilitated by my social anxiety and it, it just consumed, um, just too many, too much of my thoughts and, and it, it, it just was not productive, um, I, I look back and just was not nearly as satisfied with, you know, my relationships, friendships, uh, just a lot of aspects of my life that, that weren't really working well. And yeah, from, from early on when I started using the technology, you know, I, I noticed, you know, pretty, pretty soon that it was like, it was, I was able to finally get in these sort of really relaxed states uh, that, you know, are, are kind of hard to access when you're that type A, you know, sort of go, 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 you know, overthinker sort of person that, that I am. So I, I use a lot of the, the neurostimulation and other technologies to really work on kind of calming my nervous system uh, and, and really helping kind of slow, slow my thoughts down a bit. And I still notice great improvements and continued, you know, improvements, the more sessions, the, the more, you know, results that you tend to see. That's exciting. That's really exciting. And can this be done long distance? Let's say through, you know, Zoom. What, like, what what kind of adaptations have you had to make since the pandemic happened? Yeah. So I personally need to do in person services. Okay. There there are a couple practitioners I know of um, that are starting to do like what what's called virtual neurofeedback. Neurofeedback, I'll just say, is a a technology I briefly alluded to, but it's, it's basically where we have one of those EEG caps on your head, measuring the electrical activity of the brain. And then you're, you're basically playing a sort of video game with your mind in the sense that uh, you, you know, be watching a screen or listen, listening to audio. And as your brain produced the, the desired electrical rhythms that we were training it to produce, you would see the screen get larger or the audio tones get louder. And then when that, uh, when your brain sort of deviated from that healthy activity, 
the screen would get smaller, the tones would get quieter. So hence oh, the, interesting. the feedback telling your brain, here's, here's when you're doing a good job. Here's when you need to change a bit and go back to what you're doing to, you know, get the screen larger, get the audio tones louder. So yeah, that's, that's a technology that, um, that is probably uh, most available for people. And that's, that's something that some practitioners are starting to do virtually. If, if people rent uh, or lease the equipment, oftentimes it's pretty expensive, but some people are able to like lease the equipment out and then they might have a neurofeedback unit at their home. And then a practitioner could be in a different place and basically just run the session from their computer. If they kind of tap into the other person's computer and have access and they can be monitoring the training. So that, that is one form of neuromodulation that, that can be done virtually. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, as, as this world continues to develop and, you know, the technologies continue to, to get easier and easier to use, I'm sure we'll see a lot more virtual uh, neuromodulation work being done. Good. Okay. I love that. That sounds really exciting. And congratulations to you for figuring out so early on, you know, where you wanted to serve and make a difference in the world for other people with something that has helped you do so well. So, I mean, that's really exciting, Toby. So where can people go ahead? Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, I mean, after, I mean, I I think since seeing that it, it helped me so much it was definitely at that point i was i was really curious like wow this maybe i can really do something with this but it it wasn't really until seeing just how many patients would come up to me and say you know this this technology you know changed my life you know and and just people so many people that that had such profound benefits you know similar or if not even more so than me where i was just like that there's something to this. I got to, I got to really dig deep on this. That's exciting. I mean, it really is. What a wonderful way to spend your days uh, when you're working, knowing that you're doing something that makes a positive difference. Where can people connect with you and your work, Toby? Sure, sure. So um, people can visit uh, www.roscoeswetsuitneuro.com. That's (laughs) That's the the website where people can find all the the information about the company, read about the various different technologies that we employ. Um, People can also check out the Applied Neuroscience Psychology podcast that I run, which is called the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I put the videos out on YouTube along with clips. So People can connect with me both of those ways. And uh, yeah, also they can shoot me a DM at Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro on Instagram. I have to ask where the name Roscoe's Wetsuit came from, because it must make sense to you. So it does. It it does. And that that was actually part of the thinking behind the name was like, this is going to make for a good icebreaker because people are (laughs) people are going to be a bit confused. Like I've gotten so many. Yes, they will. is this a surfing company? Is this, what does this have to do? Like, yeah. So Roscoe's wetsuit is something it's, it's, uh, basically, are you, are you at all familiar with the musical artist, Childish Gambino? His, no, he's also an actor, the okay. actor, Don, Donald Glover, you know? Okay. No. He, he, so, so he basically released an album 
And there was a screenplay that went along with this album. And in the screenplay, there was like the main character would come across the words Roscoe's wetsuit in random places kind of throughout the screenplay. And he'd be really confused. Like, what does this mean? And just wouldn't find any answers. At the end of the screenplay, he comes across this kid who's like scribbling Roscoe's wetsuit on a napkin. So he approaches the kid and is like, you know, so excited he's finally going to get to know what this means. So he, he confronts the kid, asks him, what is Roscoe's wetsuit? And the kid just responds, I don't know. I just saw it online. So <laughs> Roscoe's, <laughs> Roscoe's wetsuit doesn't uh, actually mean anything, but at the right. same time, metaphorically, it means a lot in the sense that I, the way I took it was, you know, sort of a critique of just our current, you know, sort of social media online culture of just sort of following trends or whatever's, whatever's cool without necessarily thinking too much for ourselves. And my goal for the podcast and my business is to do something different and to try to help people, help people be able to think clearer so they can think for themselves and make a difference in the world. So I thought it was, I thought it was just kind of a cool sort of a, a bit of an ironic title too, in the sense where it's sort of a, making a bit of a, a mockery of, you know, that sort of just uh, following the trends or whatever and hoping to do something different with my business, but I, I don't know. That, it, that is a good story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just worked. chose to, I chose I to go to with know. it. Yeah, of course. I thank you so much for being here this week and I'll have a link to your site on show notes. Hopefully I have the headshot that I need and we will post this in the future, but I love the work that you're doing and the intent behind it as well. I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much, Toby. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. It was great talking with you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.